or we don't have a focus on God. And the truth is, no matter what we're going through, God's right there. God cares. God has a plan for you already designed for you to have a future and a hope, to be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror. And so if, if we choose, and it is a choice, if we choose to fear, then we push the promises of God away and we deal with what we have to deal with. And God doesn't want us to. God said, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear. I, I, I'm going to ask you right now, just close your eyes. Because there are people right here today, you're dealing with fear. You came in here with fear, you were going to leave with fear, and God has for you to drop your fear right now and give it to him because you just sang. Through you, I can do anything, I can do all things because you give me strength. With you, God, all things are possible. Now, in this moment, right now, you either choose to believe it and drop your fear and hold on to the faith, or you doubt God. And the Bible says those that doubt will not receive anything from God because they're unstable in all their ways. So right now, if, if you're dealing with fear, I want you to just turn to God and cast that care upon him because he cares for you. Father, right now, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for their trust in you, their hope in you, their confidence in you that would banish fear, would cause it to flee as faith arises, peace and joy and hope increase, and there is a confidence, a stability, and a security that is theirs because of you that can do all things that there is nothing impossible for. And so, Father, we just right now roll all the care of that over on you because you care for us. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Oh, we're going to do that again. And everyone said, yeah. amen, amen. Well, turn and just wave to somebody and you can be seated. Praise God. How many of you know you're in a fight? How many of you know that there are times that the fight comes to you and you can choose not to fight, but you're just going to get beaten? And unfortunately today there are a lot of Christians that that's happening to there's a fight going on, but the victory has already been won through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he turns to us and offers us that same victory to be able to, the Bible says, tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. What does that leave out? Nothing. That nothing by any means would harm you. Man, that's good news. I'm telling you, we, we have so much to be thankful for and excited about even in the times we're living in. Because even as Jordan said, there, there have been some difficult things going on. Yes? Okay, all right, I'm glad I'm in the right place. Um, you know, we can easily be so focused on the stuff that's going on in our society. There's great uncertainty and upheaval. Um, there's great division and, and fear and anger uh, about medical situations, about race, racial situations, about political situations, about economic situations. You can keep listing the situations that we can be afraid about or worried about or be angry about. Um, it, 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 there's no end to it or uncertain about. But 
you don't have to face them alone. There's a God that did everything that, that, that he could to make sure that there was an ability for us to connect, to stay constantly in communion with him, and he wants to see you overcome. Uh, he wants you to be able to walk in a very uncertain, unstable world with great security, great peace, great hope, great joy, great confidence. Not in what you see going on around you, but in who's with you and who's for you and where he's bringing you. You know, God's not just taking you for a walk. He's leading you into the fullness of what he's prepared for you. And what has he prepared for you? Life and life more abundant. And so we never have to fear when we're, we're following God because God is always bringing us into the best. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Because that, that's all God can do. God always does the best. He knows what's best. He can do what's best, but he can't force it on us. And, and I, I so appreciate uh, Bishop Green and what he shared with us last week. Wasn't that a great message? Amen. And I hope it wasn't just another message that we put on our pile of messages and thought, wow, that was really good. I really felt good after I left church, but then forgot what it was all about. It's, it's important that we incorporate those things in our life because if we're hearers and not doers of the word, what happens? We deceive ourselves. And where there's deception, there is loss. Where there's deception, there's loss. You know, this year has been unlike any year we've ever had. <clears throat> it's been really a wild ride. And I have to tell you, I usually don't start praying about the next year and asking God to reveal things until about this time. But months ago, I was struggling. I was really struggling with everything that was going on. And, and, and I was saying to God, God, I, I need wisdom. Now, do you know that if you don't have wisdom, where you need to go for it? God and his word. In James chapter 1, uh, the Bible says, if we lack wisdom, go to God and ask for it, and he will give it to you freely and fully and not give you a hard time about the fact that you didn't know something. And for some people, what's really important is after they think they know everything, what they learn after that. We, we need to realize we are not the end all in, in understanding or wisdom, but God is. And God wants to freely give you what you need, where you are, when you need it. And with that, I, I was asking God, you know, months ago I was asking God, God, what, help me understand. Help me have wisdom and understanding. And how many of you know God answers you just the way you ask? Well, if that's happening for you, I need to talk with you. You need to help me out because I don't always get the answers from God that I want the way I want it. You know, sometimes I ask God for things and God is so loving to me that he doesn't give them to me. Because I don't know what I'm asking for. But he always gives us what we need in the right time because God always gives us the best. And today, um, what's happened is over the course of months now, uh, in asking God for wisdom and, and, and understanding about what's going on now, where we're going, what he's prepared. Um, this is what's kind of transpired out of this. And, 
And the title of this message is Good or Best. All right, Good or Best. How can you lose with either one of those? Well, you can. And, and so as I was praying, God took me to, a, I felt the Spirit of God was reminding me of some familiar portions of Scripture. How many of you know that, that there are things that you built into your spirit, into you, that's the Word of God, and, and the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance those things because that's what is part of His ministry is. And so there was a portion of Scripture that, that the Spirit of God brought me back to, reminded me of, and it's in the book of Isaiah. Now, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was, was um, writing to and, and dealing with uh, Israel in really difficult, divided times, not unlike the times we're in. And, and so he would speak to Israel on behalf of God, prophesy, and, and speak about things to come. And in this portion of Scripture, Isaiah 43 uh, the, verse 19 was where I, I, I have memorized this. I have gone over this. I, this is a go-to scripture for me. Uh, it says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, how many of you think that's a good thing? A lot of it is good, but it says, I'm going to do a new thing. Shall you not know it? It'll spring forth. All right, and and so there's there's kind of a gee, you know, something new. How many of you like new things all the time? Oh, you guys are so wise. Yeah, we we like certain new things, but there are other things we don't like when they're new because they're new, and we like. All right, let me let me without without you guys giving it up to everybody else. How many of you, without raising your hands or any response, drove the same way to church that you have driven almost every time to church? Okay? I did that. I did that this morning. Now, there are a variety of ways to get to this place. But I've chosen my preferred route. And and so I tend to, and if there's there's some sort of interruption on the route, I'm not thrilled about that. I don't want to have to go another way. I want to go the way I want to go. Now, I know I'm no different than you. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. But if we're the one in charge, then God's not. I know that's really heavy revy. But, but it's true. It's true. And so I, I saw this and it just warmed my heart. I said, yes, God, because I picked out what I liked. You know how we do that with scriptures? We just take the part we like and leave the rest of it. It's kind of the way I used to eat as a kid. And I would spend hours at the dinner table because I hadn't eaten the things I needed to eat. But I liked, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I was like, yes, Lord. This is, this is a wilderness kind of time. This is, this is a difficult uh, terrain that we're in as far as life in this, this, this year. And so, yes, I want a road. I want a smooth path. I want rivers in the desert. You know, an inhospitable place, there's no life. And, and I, rivers, life, refreshing. And, and when I got here, something happened. 
because I hadn't read around this scripture. You know what I mean when I say read around it? You've you got to get it in context. And, and, and the Spirit of God very clearly, without, I didn't have a voice, I didn't have anything, I had an impression from God, I needed to back up to the verse that preceded this. And before we go there, we're going to pray. Because, folks, you may know what the scriptures are that we're going to use today, but I'm asking you to do this. No matter where you are, what's going on, not just today, but every day, if you're hearing scripture that's very familiar to you, be open to God revealing something new to you. Because there's no exhausting the word of God. And so, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for your word that is life and health to those who find it. Your word that's truth that sets us free. Your word that's a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Your word that created everything seen and unseen and is still creating in us and through us the things that you have designed and desired for us. And so, Father, today I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for your spirit that is living in your children that reminds us and reveals to us your word. Father, your, your spirit working in me and through me to fulfill your will today uh, in, in this place and in these people. And that, Father, we would not be the same. That we really would be transformed. There would be a, an inward work that would give way to an outward expression that would cause people to take notice of God. Christ in us, who's the hope of glory. And this is an ongoing, never-ending work. And so, Father, we, we invite you to work in us so that you can work through us to impact all those around us and bring glory to your name, strength to the body of Christ, and increase to the kingdom of God. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So, does anybody, before we go there, does anybody know what the scripture says before this? So I, I, I was not real familiar with it, so let me show you what it is. All right, this is what verse 18 says. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now, that, that's not a big deal, but it's a huge deal. All right, because this precedes what God says he's going to do. And, and so we have to do things the way God has for us to do them. And God's word says, and you, you should read this whole, whole chapter, but God's word says to, to the, the Israelites, to the Hebrews, in very difficult, divided times, don't remember the old things. The former things are considered the things of old. Now, one of the things that I hear on a regular basis, and I've heard it out of my mouth, I've heard it out of other people's mouth, and that is, I can't wait till we get back to what used to be, the way it used to be. Can I tell you something? <laughs> That's not going to happen. Now, you can take that whatever way you want to. But how many of you want to, uh, you remember the good old days? You hear people talk about the good old days? Oh, I remember the good old days. Well, the good old days weren't as go good as they remember them to be. We selectively remember what was. And, and this says, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now, if we were dealing with difficult, 
tough, hurtful things, would you agree that we shouldn't remember the former things or the things of old? You guys are tough this morning. Yeah, yeah, God's word tells us we're supposed to cast all that care upon him. And that, that those things that have gone on, if we let those things remain forefront in our lives, they control and rob us of our future. And if you didn't know that, that's what you came for today. To realize that you need to let go of those things. But it's not just the bad things, it's the good things. It's the good things that can rob us of the great things. You know, John D. Rockefeller said this. Don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Is there, is there any challenge with, with being kind of ensnared by the good? Yeah, there's a huge challenge that sometimes we can have really good things going on, but God has something even better. Isn't that God's plan? Doesn't the Bible say God wants to take you from glory to glory? That means there's ever-increasing glory. So how, no matter how good it is right here, right now, God's got even better. I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm telling you, that there's... There's a battle going on for you to receive what God has for you today. Because if you do, the enemy's lost. He can't manipulate. He can't control you. He can't deceive you. And, and you and I won't settle. One of the things that we do, we, we, we tend to settle in to what's good instead of stretching for what's great. Because I was listening to my pastor, he had a, a, a message, and in the message he was talking about the price we pay or the comfort that we want to have. And, and in my spirit I heard, I have to choose whether I want comfort more than I want Christ. And I'll tell you, that's a, that's a huge challenge in our society. In our society in America, we worship comfort. We strive after comfort, but comfort won't get you great. You can't think of a single athlete that made comfort their priority that became great in what they did. They had to stretch. They had to be uncomfortable. And church, it's no different. It's no different spiritually. If we're, we're looking for just comfort, then we'll never experience the great things God has. Oh, we'll experience some good things, but not the great things God has. And so we are literally robbing ourselves and robbing other people in our lives of the great things God has to bring to you and through you to impact them around you. And so that's where we're going today. And, and so in, in this, you know, Rockefeller was right. Don't be afraid. What do we have to fear when we're walking with God? We don't have to fear anything, but we can choose to fear everything. When we're walking with God, we're going to walk into some difficult things. Even, even Psalm 23 tells us. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Oh, we're good with that. Paths of righteousness, paths of right living, right connection with God. But then it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Right, I'll fear no evil. You're going to go through some valleys. You're going to be surrounded by the enemy. We see it in, in, in the scriptures. And it's no different today. Just as real as God is, there's an enemy, and he's looking to overwhelm you and cause you to quit and cause you to give up and cause you to just settle in, settle for whatever's going on, and we can rationalize and justify, well, this is good enough. I'm telling you, Jesus is not coming back for a church that's good. (laughs) He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, a glorious, victorious church. Now, we can live our lives in good, and we can rationalize it. Or we can rise up in these days that the world needs to see Christians rise up in the confidence of God, the love of God, the power of God, the plan of God, the provision of God, and walk it out before them so they see what's possible. Because with God, all things are possible. And cause them to realize that there's a hope. Now, we're going to look today and see how many of you know the Old Testament is there for our example. It reveals things to us. Now, we don't live in the Old Testament. We look back to it to understand some things. But the New Testament was written for you today because that's the covenant you're under. Okay? But we need to see what happened in the Old Testament so we don't repeat it. And it's real easy to do because we're no different than the folks back then. We, we tend to do some of the same things. So we're going to look at Israel and see how good or seemingly good robbed them from the great. Is that okay? All right. Be willing to be honest with yourself. All right. I had to be honest with myself as God was showing me this. And, and so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 14, verse 12. Now, it says... Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Now, this was said by the children of Israel when they were right at the Red Sea. Right? So what happened? They get to the Red they, they leave Egypt. How did they leave Egypt? Did they sneak out in the night? No, they went out as more than conquerors. They spoiled. The Egyptians gave them gold, gave them supplies, gave them everything they need in abundance. And God showed himself strong on their behalf, and they they take off. And they get to the Red Sea, something that's impassable, impossible. And who's on their tail? The Egyptian army. The Egyptian army comes in right behind them, presses them right up to the water, an impassable place, and and their enemies are there. And now they're saying, didn't we tell you this would happen? You know how, how people do? I told you so. I don't know if you've ever done that to God, but don't. Okay? Don't do it. Uh, but they said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. Now, does anybody remember what it was like before Israel left Egypt for the Israelites? Were they having a ball? Was it getting better? 
No, it was getting worse. Man, they cried all night at times because things were getting so bad. The pressure was being put on. What they were expected to do was they were being demanded more and more. It was, it was just a terrible environment. But they're saying, let us, leave us alone. Let us be slaves in Egypt. I can't, I can't believe this is, it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Now, what did God tell them before they left Egypt? Where was he leading them? To the promised land. Remember, uh, Bishop Brian said that there's revelation, then there's observation, explanation, but you got to get back to the revelation. They had a revelation of what God was going to do, but they let go of it because of their observation and explanation. It robbed them, was trying to rob them, just like it's trying to rob you and me. But it says right here, it's better to be a slave in Egypt. Better than what? To die in the wilderness? Who said they were going to die in the wilderness? They did. They told themselves what was going to happen and failed to remember what God had told them. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. This was a deception. And where there's deception, there is loss. At this moment, they're where God brought them to. Can you believe God brought them to an impassable place and allowed them to be backed up by their enemies, surrounded by their enemies? Man, I'm so upset with God that he would do this to me. What was he thinking? His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Right here, if they had turned around and said, okay, we give up, we'll go back to Egypt, we'll, we'll be slaves, would they have lost anything? Yeah. Yeah, they would have lost everything God had intended for them. And, and as a matter of fact, it was a moment in time where God was going to do a miracle that is one of the best known, most well-known miracles by people. What was he about to do? Part the Red Sea. But who knew? Yeah, God knew. The Bible says, Scripture tells us that he knew the way that no one else knew. Because it had never been done before. No one had ever thought of this, but God had planned this. God's plan for them was for good, but they were in a very, very uncomfortable, unfamiliar situation. See, this right now, this ought to be just sinking in. Because there are places that, that we find ourselves that are very uncomfortable, unfamiliar. They could be very fear-evoking. And yet we got to look for God, not at all the circumstances around us. Because remember what verse 19 says, Behold, I do a new thing. It will spring forth. Will you not know it? God was just about to spring forth. Do something new that nobody had ever seen. 
Oh, but that was back then, you know. Does God still do miracles? Will God do a miracle for you? Absolutely. But listen, church, we're not supposed to live by miracles. We're supposed to live by faith. If we believe God, he can bring a miracle or he can do what he does through a process. But we allow him to be God. We don't tell him how he ought to do it, when he ought to do it, why he ought to do it, who he ought to use. Because each one of those times we put a demand on God other than demanding what his word says, believing what his word says, we're trying to control God. And whenever we control God, we're going to have less than what God intended. We're going to have less than what God intended because what God intends for you is the best. The best. And, and that will be robbed. So, you know, they're, they're looking back at the enemy. They're looking at the Red Sea in front of them. And they're starting to complain. Now, I know nobody here does that, but these people used to. We all complain. God hates complaints. Every complaint we make, well, I'll, I'll change that because I don't want you to just push back. Every complaint I make, it's because I'm not trusting God. And I'm not believing that God can do what he said he can do in the midst of what I'm experiencing. So I'm basically accusing God of not being who he said he was. I, I stand guilty. But I am trying to adjust that in my life. And so right here, we see where they're looking. In your car, when you drove here, those of you that drove, did you stem, spend more time looking in the rearview mirror or through the windshield? You had to be looking through the windshield and not the rearview mirror more because you made it. Because if all you're doing is gazing in the rearview mirror, what's behind you, you're not going to make your destination. And so we need to realize, are the things God has for us in the past greater and better than the things God has for us in the future? And don't look back. Jesus even told the disciples, remember Lot's wife. She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Again, we're going to look in verse or chapter 16 of Exodus. Because you'd think that they would have learned from when they're complaining and they're upset and they're, they're looking behind them and looking back to Egypt. Let's go back there. It was better for us to be a slave than where we are right here. And they were just about to experience one of the greatest miracles. Now a few chapters later, and it says on the 15th day of the second month after they had left Egypt. Now this is, this is a longer time from the time they were out of Egypt. And it says the whole company of Israel moved from Elam to the wilderness of Sin, which was between Elam and Sinai. The whole company of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron there in the wilderness. The Israelites said, why, did God, why didn't God let us die in what? Are you serious? Why didn't God let us die in comfort? We were so comfortable we were crying all night. You know, we look back and sometimes we create something that's fictional. 
We've got to deal in truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will what? Make you free. Keep you free. The truth will heal you. The word is life and health to all who find it. It, it reveals things to us. It's a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And these people are dealing in deception. Folks, we, we are so prone to deception. The only thing that will keep us from that is truth. Why didn't God let us die in comfort in Egypt where we had lamb stew and all the bread we could eat? Because God loved them too much to leave them in the misery and in the ensnarement of Egypt. And God was bringing them into something they couldn't imagine or dream of. It was so beyond their ability to comprehend how good God was going to be to them. He was giving them the best. The best. And I want you to know God has the best for you. Don't settle for just good. Don't just settle into good. Stretch. Be stretched. Be willing to be stretched, enlarged to experience God's best. It goes on in, in I'm sorry. Uh, so right here, they wanted to die in comfort. The good old days. You know, sometimes we look back and God doesn't want you looking back. God wants you looking ahead because your future is ahead. Uh, I don't know if you read the word for you today before you came. But one of the things it talked about was, was looking back, remembering old things. And, and so uh, read it when you get home. I hope you guys read that. But anyways, um, it's so important that we realize that God's taking us from glory to glory. Are we in difficult times? Yes. But God's not wanting you to just settle in and camp here. Just be overwhelmed and overcome and, and immobile. God wants you to have a hope, a confident expectation of the best things that God has for you. But I can't do that for you. No one else can do that for you. God won't do it for you. You have to do it for you. You have to choose to believe God for the best. In in. Numbers, chapter 32. We're going to go there, but before we go there, there's a quote by Stephen Covey who, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this quote by Stephen says this. The enemy of best is often the good. The enemy of the best is often the good. Why? Because we are comfortable. Do you know that every invention that you and I have the benefit of today happened because somebody wasn't willing to just deal with what was good? Take vacuum cleaners. Do you know that originally vacuum cleaners were not just personal items? They came on wagons to people's houses. They were that big. Some of them had uh, gasoline combustion engines. And then finally somebody said, you know, this is crazy. Let's get something that's a little, little more usable. And they had vacuums that you used. They were manual. You had to pump a bellows. 
and run it over the carpet. But they were happy for that. And then finally somebody came up with an electric motor that they could use to create suction to really actually blow air that would cause the vacuum to suck up the debris. And it was made in a canister. And guess who created that? Any, any names that would come to mind when you think about vacuums? That's right. It, the name comes to mind is Hoover, but he wasn't the one that created it. He bought the rights to it. He was in the leather working business. And so that kind of canister vacuum, as a matter of fact, the man that created it used his wife's pillowcase as the first bag to trap the debris. I'm sure she was thrilled. But... You know, that kind of, of vacuum cleaner just rode the wave for years and years and years until finally somebody began to develop a vacuum that didn't continue to lose suction over the life of its usefulness. His name was Dyson, James Dyson. And, and what he did was he just thought of something and it came to pass. How many of you think that's the way it happened? 5,000 trials to get this right to where it is today. 5,000 times to get what we currently have from the Dyson company that is a bagless vacuum cleaner that doesn't reduce suction. And I'm not, I'm not going to sell you a vacuum cleaner today. All right. But I'm just telling you, somebody wasn't willing to settle for good. They were willing to stretch. At, at a, a huge stretch, 5,000 times they had to continue to do this over and over again to find the best. Now, is this the best? It is at this time. But you know what? There can be something even better. If somebody's willing to stretch and, and pay the price. Pay the price. Now, in Numbers chapter 32, verse 1 and 2, it says this. Again, the families of Reuben and Gad and the huge herds of, had huge herds of livestock. Now, this is even farther down the road for the Israelites. They're right at the edge of the promised land. They're about to go in. Actually, some have already gone in. And it says, they saw the country of Jazar and Gilead was just the right, just the place for grazing livestock. Okay, just the place for grazing livestock. Um, the New Living Translation says it was the perfect place for grazing livestock. It was ideally suited for their flocks and their herds. So this seemed like the best. goes on to say, and so they came, and the families of Gad and of Reuben, and spoke to Moses and Eleazar, the priests and the leaders of the congregation, saying, go ahead. The country that God laid low before the community of Israel is a country just right for livestock. It's good. And we have livestock. Makes a lot of sense to me. They continued, if you think we've done a good job so far, give us this country for our inheritance. Don't make us go across the Jordan. What was across the Jordan? Promised land. Whose promise? Oh, yeah, God made him a promise. 
a land of milk and honey that flowed with milk and honey, a land unlike anything they had ever seen or experienced. As a matter of fact, we know that they sent spies in years ago. They came back with grapes. And the way they came back with grapes was they had to put it on a pole between two guys. You know, if they had a little dinky group of grapes, don't you think that'd look ridiculous? They weren't little grapes. These were exceptional. That's what God was giving bringing them into the best. And here, these two, it was really two and a half tribes that, that said, we're going to stay over here in the wilderness. We don't want to go into the fullness of what God has, has promised us because this is good. I just want it to sink in and us to be honest with us because I've done this. I've settled for good instead of being willing to be stretched for the best. And I'm just asking you to do this. Take some time this week. Seriously take some time this week with God and ask Him to help reveal to you where you're settling and where you need to stretch. Because behold, he does a new thing. It'll spring forth. Will you not know it? God's doing new things. God, God wants the best in the worst of times. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. But if all we're looking at is what we're, we're upset about, and what we're disappointed in, and we're looking in the rearview mirror, because you know what? There's nothing you can do about the coronavirus except do the best that we're being told to do. We, we have to continue to live in a fallen world, but expect the best from God in the midst of this, which he wants to give you, not just for your sake, but for the sake of all the people that are watching you. Your family, your friends, your parents, your children, your co-workers, your neighbors, strangers are watching you. Don't make us go over the Jordan. Don't make us go into what God has. You know, God's not going to make you go into what he has for you. but what he has for every one of us. Whether we're his or not, he's got the best for us, but the only way we can have it is to believe him and trust him and follow him and be stretched. This, this walk as a Christian isn't about comfort. It's not about staying in the familiar and the predictable it's about getting out on the edge. These guys were on the edge. They were on the edge of the wilderness and the edge of the promised land, and they chose to stay in the wilderness because it looked good. Man, this is great land for, for grazing. And, and we've got cattle. We've got sheep. And this, this, this is like 
A hand in a glove. It just meshes. This is, obviously, this is God. It's what works. Do you know what happened to these people? They went in and helped the Israelites conquer the promised land, but they kept coming back, going back over the Jordan, back to the wilderness. And they stayed in the wilderness until they got overrun and overcome and overwhelmed. And, and other countries took away their herds, took away their freedom, put them in captivity. And I'm telling you, if we don't enter into what God has, the enemy will do a number on us. I'm not telling you this to make you afraid. I'm telling you this because we need to be aware. Beware of settling for good instead of stretching for great. God has great. Not when you get to heaven. God has great for you here. This week, God has great things for you. But we can't keep looking back to the old. We can't keep longing for the things that were before because there's nothing that you've had already that's going to be better than what God has for you. Because God has the best for you. And this is not just an Old Testament principle. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, this is what the scripture says in the new translation for everyone. My dear family, I don't reckon, this is the Apostle Paul, I don't reckon that I have yet overtaken it, but this one, this is my one aim, to forget what? Everything that's where? Behind. No going through life looking in the rearview mirror, longing for what was. The good old days that weren't as good as we remember them to be. Forget everything that's behind and, I, and, and to strain every nerve to go after what's ahead. If you're straining every word, every nerve for what's ahead, is it comfortable? Is it convenient? Is it worth it? See, we have to battle this every day in all that we do. Are, are we going to allow comfort to be king or Christ to be king? Because truth be known as human beings, most of us tend to be settlers. We just want to settle for, for good. It's good enough. Do you know that good enough is never good enough for God? That's why he takes you from glory to glory. What you experience now that is the best you've ever experienced, God has even more to bring to your life and bring through your life. It's not just about you. It's about God bringing blessing to your life beyond anything you could imagine or dream and then doing it again in, in an, another level. Because he wants your life to be so blessed that it overflows on other people's lives. That they see what's possible with God. Because with God, what's possible? The impossible is made possible. And, and God has for you to be a living example 
of what God can do in a human life. goes on to say to strain every nerve to go after what's ahead I mean to chase on towards the finishing post where the prize waiting for me is the upward call of God in King James Jesus the prize waiting for you is the upward call another translation says high call there's nothing higher there's nothing better than what God has for you. And, and God bringing you into the fullness of what he has. Going from glory to glory. What today is the best, God has even more for you. Again, please, please hear me. It's not for us to be consumed by it. It's us to receive it and begin to spread it through other people's lives. Give them hope. Give them help, especially in the days we're living in. Man, there are people that are so angry, so hurt, and they're looking back. And I, you know what? Who can change history? Nobody can change history. We need to learn from it. We need to learn from history. We can't stick our heads in the sand. But we need to continue to go from glory to glory. And if we're going to go in God, we're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in love. We're going to esteem other people as better than ourselves. We're not going to look down on anybody or, or diminish anybody. I'm talking about anybody. We're going to realize the value of people around us. We're going to show them honor. We're not going to be afraid of things everybody else is afraid of whether it be economic challenges or medical challenges or anything else. I mean to chase on towards the finishing post where the prize waiting for me is the upward call of God in King Jesus. It's upward. It, how many things just roll up? They coast uphill. Now, if we're into coasting, we're never going to make progress going upward. It's got to be intentional. It's got to be a decision that we make today and this afternoon and tomorrow. We make a decision. We make a determination that we're going to continue to decide to go onward and upward. We're going to stretch for the best and not settle for good. Because there's a lot at stake in your life, in your family's life, in your neighbor's life, in your co-worker's life, in the world, if we're not willing to stretch for the best. You know, Proverbs talks about there's a way that seems right or good whose end is the way of death. Don't let good rob you of God's best. Don't let looking back at the old things rob you. Be willing. Be willing to dare, to dream beyond anything you've ever imagined that God can do 
the impossible. The Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What God has for you is extraordinary. It's exceptional. It's the best. Choose, choose, choose to go with God. Choose to be stretched. Choose to go on with Him. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. Just want you to know that we're gonna we're gonna go back to next week. We're gonna talk about now that we realize what has to happen, what has to precede experiencing what God has for us in verse 19, and we're gonna look at that. But you know it's important. It's important that we We don't lose the ability to expect great things from God. No matter what we experience. In this world, it's a fallen world. Bad things happen. I'm not saying that everything's fun and easy. But I'm telling you, in the midst of all the hell breaking loose, there is a heaven that wants to break forth. And we have to be aware of it. We have to believe that, that God is going to do this receive it, and then walk in it. That's what faith is. We're walking in it. And, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, again, with your eyes closed, if you've, you've struggled with this stuff, then today, be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. And let him know, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me, I've settled. But I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to believe. For your best. I'm not going to settle for your good. I'm not going to live my life looking back. I'm going to look ahead because the best is yet to come. The best days are ahead. No matter what age you are, God's best is ahead for you. It's not based on an age. It's based on a God who desires to give you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And if he's going to do that, it's not going to take just a day. It's a process that we walk in. But the Apostle Paul prayed a prayer in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And I, I felt like God said, pray this prayer over these people. And so I'm going to pray this prayer. And I just want you to listen to it. And at the end, if you agree with this, if this is what you want, I want you to say amen. And he prayed this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding would be opened. That you would know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Father, I thank you. I thank you for giving your people the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of revelation and knowledge. That, Father, we would never again settle for good, but we would expect and stretch for the best. 
because you have for us to go from faith to faith and glory to glory, and faith is believing before we see it, expecting it with great hope and anticipation, great confidence. Father, I thank you for continuing to work in us to will and to do your good pleasure as we turn to you and trust in you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Would you stand?